Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Well, happy Wednesday. Good evening. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. Amen. How many? Uh, how many are appreciating the cold weather? <laughs> Two people. Two people. <laughs> it's been good. It's been all right. I get to wear my sweaters, and so uh, I'm happy about that. I'm I'm happy about that. Listen, I want to welcome everyone. Uh, to tonight, our midweek Bible study. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us wherever you are uh, joining us from. My name is Moses Khan. I'm one of the pastors here at All People's Church, and uh, I am um, always honored and, and privileged um, to, to lead. One of my shoelaces is untied. There you go. Um, honored and privileged to, to lead tonight's uh, Bible study. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Um, verses 7 to 11. If you're watching online, by the way, we do have an um, uh, in-person room, and I'm here with uh, some of my best friends. Amen? And so uh, if you'd like to be included in that, um, you're more than welcome to, to, to be a part of the in-person um, experience here. Um, okay. Are we ready? Are we good? Matthew chapter 7. 7 to 11. If you're there, say amen. amen. I guess I should probably turn there too. Huh? <laughs> All right. This is Jesus talking. Um, we've been in Matthew, uh, Matthew 7 for, or we've been in Matthew for quite some time, uh, but it's been good. And uh, tonight, hopefully, you know, um, hopefully God will, God will speak to you in a way that, that is, uh, that is helpful in a way that is, is unique to wherever you find yourself. And um, tonight, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm excited um, to, to see what God, what God will say. Sometimes I get up here and I have no idea what I'm going to say. And you're like, wait, what? And that's not to say that I have not prepared or, or studied or afraid. Um, I will literally get up here and I'll be like, God, what am I, what am I supposed to say? And then God just says stuff that, that, that I haven't even prepared, and I'm like, wow, I needed that. And so hopefully you'll experience that too. Um, so Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, I'm reading out of the ESV translation, says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts or things to those who ask him? So Father, we just thank you for tonight, and uh, Lord, we just are so grateful, so appreciative of the fact that you are with us, that you are at work, and that you are, uh, you, that you draw near and, and that you are speaking. And so we just pray that you would give us hearts and ears to hear what you have to say 
uh, to us that you would continue to mold us and shape us into the image of your son. I pray that tonight would be life-giving for those in this room, uh, for those watching online, and even for myself, Lord, that, uh, that life, Father, would come out of tonight. So we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, tonight's scripture reminds me of, um, you ever had an experience where, where, you, where you tried a food and you didn't like it and then you're like, you, you told yourself and you told those who made you try that food, you will never try that again. You will never. Or, or have you ever been to a restaurant um, and you just had a bad experience or maybe the food didn't taste that great and yet your friends and your relatives are raving about how good that place was and you're like, no, I didn't, I didn't have that type of experience. And, and they're like, oh, well, you know, you just, you just got to try it again. And, and you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to try it again. Um, I've, had, I've had moments like that where, where, where I have, uh, you know, especially considering food. And uh, I don't know why I always talk about food so much, but it just happens. You know, Jesus says whatever's in your heart is going to come out. And uh, there you go. (Laughter) And so I've had moments where, man, I've tried some food that people have recommended, and I'm like, that, that wasn't that great. And uh, they're like, give it another go. Give it another try. Maybe, maybe you just had a, maybe it was just a bad day. And, and I'm just like, no thanks. No thanks. Uh, this scripture reminds me of that, particularly because um, Jesus just makes prayer sound so optimistic. Like, like, you read this, and it's like, if you pray, if you ask, it'll be given. If you seek, you'll find it. If you knock, It'll be open. And it just, it just sounds so optimistic. And, and to, to a degree, a little too optimistic, where if you have lived any, 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 uh, any moments or any seasons in your life as a follower of Jesus, you know it doesn't always work out like this. And sometimes, if I'm completely honest, because it doesn't work out like this, I have been tempted, and I know others have been tempted, to say, yeah, I don't know if I want to try that again. I don't know if I really want to approach prayer with the same kind of faith, with the same kind of optimism, with the same kind of expectancy. I, I, I don't know. And so now when I pray, I'm a little bit more timid. I'm a little, let, I'm a little less optimistic. I'm a little less expectant. Like maybe God won't do this. So it's like, okay, God, maybe can you... It's like, it's like, it's like spinning a wheel and, and hoping it lands on what I'm asking for. Any of you experienced that? No, just me. <laughs> All right, um, and, and it just—it just reminds me of—it just reminds me of that. And so we're going to go through this verse by verse to to hopefully to hopefully break it break it down so that we can understand what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is not saying. Jesus says, "Ask." And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. So right off the bat, there's three imperatives, right? There's ask, there's seek, and there is knock. And all of these are actually in the present tense, which indicates the continuous expectancy that Jesus is placing on these three things. He's saying, my, what I expect of my followers, what I expect of my disciples, is that they live a lifestyle where they keep asking where they keep seeking, and where they keep 
knocking. Those are just different ways and different words Jesus is describing prayer with. In prayer, you ask. In prayer, in deeper prayer, you seek. And then there's other prayers where you are knocking. How many know what I'm talking about? And so Jesus is saying, okay, these are, these are imperatives. These are, these are things I'm commanding you to do. And these are things that you're, you are, as my disciples, to keep on doing, right? So, so asking, one scholar says, speaks to uh, courtesy. Seeking, one scholar says, speaks to persistence. And knocking, one scholar says, speaks to our diligence. And so even in our prayer life, we are to have courtesy as we approach God. We are to have reverence as we approach God. But even in the midst of that, we are to be persistent that we don't just give up because we had a bad experience, because it didn't go the way we thought it would go. That, hello? Because we got a bad waiter at the restaurant, so I'm never going back there. And then that we be we be diligent. Now, this is, in, this is important because I think we need to talk context, right? Think about the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount um, starts with Jesus proclaiming a blessing on those who recognize that they're spiritually broken. The first teaching starts with blessed are those poor in spirit. And so if you think about the context, as the Sermon on the Mount starts, we, we have different issues. As, as Jesus describes um, where true br- blessing lies and, in, and on who the true blessing lies, and it's people that you, you and I just wouldn't expect. It's people who are suffering, people who are mourning, people who are poor, people who are meek and humble and, and all sorts of these things. And it's, it's just not who the world would expect the blessing to be pronounced on. And then from there forward, you have Jesus talking about different issues of the heart. Anger, right? He, he equates that with murder. Hatefulness in your heart is equivalent to murdering a brother. Um, lust in your heart is equivalent, is equivalent to actually sleeping with someone you're not married to. And all sorts of things. Heart issues. And then he talks about how you need to keep your word. Your yes needs to be a yes. And your no uh, needs to be a no. And he he talks about, uh, you know, we talked about not judging, but at the same time, making sure that we're discerning, that we have wisdom, and we deal with our logs so we can deal with the specks of our brothers and sisters. And all these things he talks about, and it, it actually gets you to a point where if you really take it all in, you have to ask yourself the question, am I cut out for this? Am I cut out for this? Is this really possible? If we just quickly glance over the Sermon on the Mount and you read that, and it just almost, it almost seems as if Jesus just took every impossible task and said, here, do it. Hello? Which leads us to asking, seeking, and knocking. And so I think this, 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 this text, it, 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 Jesus brings it up at, a, at an important place because everything that has preceded should lead us to ask the question, man, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Am I cut out for this? I don't, I don't think I'm cut out for never hating someone, never thinking bad about someone. I don't think I'm cut out for every time I say yes, I come through. And, and every time I say no, I come through. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if I'm cut out for not looking at people with certain things in my heart. I, I don't... I don't think I'm cut out for this, and yet Jesus says you're not. 
So what are you to do? You're to ask, you're to seek, and you're to knock. And so what is Jesus doing? Jesus is reminding us that as followers of him, as his disciples, the source of our strength, the, the, the ability that you and I uh, need to get a hold of to keep on going is not a matter of willpower, is not a matter of discipline, but it is a matter of how often and how much we are willing to lean into God. Because to be a disciple of Jesus and to follow the Sermon on the Mount is an impossible task if you don't have the Father, if you don't have God. And so Jesus is saying you, you need to function understanding that you have a different source of strength. So, so does that make sense with the context? Do we understand what Jesus is doing here? Yeah? We could talk back. It's all right. Move this closer. Okay, so he says, he says, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Again, crazy optimistic, but it's like, okay, let's, let's just hear what else Jesus has to say. I think it gets worse in a good way. For everyone who asks, what happens? And everyone who seeks, and the one who knocks, it will be? Okay, so it just went from being optimistic to really optimistic. Like, just imagine, you're, you're listening, and, and I know, like, come on, you, you've prayed prayers, and you've, you've, you've had moments and experiences and instances where you have been discouraged, and, and you, have, uh, you have thought, man, should I keep praying? Why do I got to pray? What's, what's happening? If, if, number one, if God already knows what I'm going to pray for, then do I need to pray? Number two, if it's not going to happen, then why pray? And yet here, Jesus says, no, 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 listen, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So what do we to do with this? Because you and I have had many experiences where we are the asking party and we are the seeking party and we are the one who are knocking and yet we are not receiving, we are not finding and things are not being opened. So here's a great principle that you need to read your Bible with. Scripture interprets scripture. Can we say that? Scripture interprets. So how, how, do we, how do we handle a passage like this? We do not take a passage like this and hold it in isolation as if other texts in the Bible don't have anything to say about prayer. Now, oftentimes, here, here's what leads to bad theology. What leads to bad theology is, is people like me, preachers and leaders and pastors, would get up here, hold a verse in isolation, preach it to you, and you go try to live it out and it does not work. And now you're blaming God. Really, you should be blaming the bad, you should be blaming the bad preacher for not doing his, his homework, his, his reading of scripture. So what, is, what am I talking about? I want to take you to James. I want to take you to James chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. And then I want to take you to James chapter 4, verse 3. James chapter 1, 5 to 7. And James chapter 4, verse 3. Three. Because the reality is, we can read a verse like this and we could, we could misunderstand what Jesus is really getting at. We could misunderstand what God is really wanting to say to us. James chapter 1, 5 to 7. James chapter 4, verse 3. Now the reality is, if we're completely honest, 
my human heart and my human flesh likes a verse like this. Why? Because I like hearing that when I want things, I have somebody to go to that'll give me those things. Right? Like, like what do children love about Christmas? Their presents. They don't care. They don't care that you spent two and a half hours in a mall. They don't care that you had to fight somebody else's mother uh, to get that gift and to, to make sure you check out. Um, they don't care about all that. They don't care about the fight you had in the parking lot. You, they don't care any, about any of that. It's, man, I got my presence. I got what I wanted. And the reality is my flesh, my humanity loves to hear about a God who will give me what I want. That's why it's important to understand that Scripture interprets Scripture. And so we go to the Bible, the totality of Scripture, to understand what Jesus is saying, right? That's why Paul, in one of his letters, he says, listen, man, I'm not, I'm not going to stand before God guilty because I, I gave you the whole counsel of God's Word. I, I didn't give you just pieces and snippets. I gave you the whole counsel of God's Word. And so we turn to, we turn to James, and, and James says something particularly interesting. If I, could, if I could find James, you're like, there it is, right after Hebrews, come on. Okay, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 3 says this. James chapter 4, verse 3. Um, I don't think that was it. James chapter 4, verse 3 says this. That was verse 2. I think you got to go uh, the next verse there. It says, you ask and do not receive because you what? Ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So James just gives us insight into prayer. And he's looking at us and he's writing to the church that he's writing to and he's saying, hey, listen, here's why your flesh is so disappointed in what Jesus is saying. is because you keep praying for things, but you're doing it with the wrong heart. You're doing it with the wrong motive. You're doing it to feed your own passions. And so that's why God's not answering. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. What does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus' assumption in, his, in this teaching is that when we ask, we're going to ask correctly. Hello? That, that our asking is not, is not going to be, this is not going to be selfish. Our asking is going to be for his purpose. Again, we go back to Matthew chapter 6 with, with the Lord's prayer. And Jesus starts it off with what? Father, let your, ah, let your kingdom come, right? And so there's that. Then we, take, then we turn to James chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. James chapter 1. Verses five to seven. It says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But watch this in verse six. It says, but let him ask in. Oh, I actually have to believe. Let him ask in faith without doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded person, unstable in all his ways. And so Jesus' assumption 
is number one, that we're not going to be selfish in our asking, but number two, that our asking is going to be done in faith. So now how is Jesus going to give us the confidence and give us the humility and give us the heart to not ask selfishly and to ask in faith? Let's continue. He says in verse 9, which one of you, remember he's talking to a large crowd of people, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? So what is, what is Jesus about to do? Jesus is going to the human relationship, right, between parent and child. Now, this is important because Jesus is using this analogy to teach us something. He's saying, which one of you, if, if his son asks him for bread, dad, mom, I'm hungry, I need some bread, you're going to give him a stone. Which one of you, if his son comes up to him and says, I, I want some fish, you're going to give him a cut up snake. And, and, and the crowd would have said what? If Jesus asked us, the crowd would have said, none of us. We wouldn't do that. You'd call this person an evil, wicked messed up in the head type of person. Amen? And so he says then, as he continues this parent and child analogy, he says, if you then who are evil, don't you love Jesus? If, if you then who are evil, know, that's an important word. If you're taking notes, that's an important word. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give good things to those who ask him. So let's break this down because this is incredibly important. As a person, if you're not a parent, just imagine yourself to be a parent, you know not to give stone for bread. You, you know not to give a snake when requested or asked for fish. You know this, right? You know this. So the question is, how much more does the father know? If you know this, how much more does the father know? Now, as he, as he continues, he says, he says, your father will give you good things for those who ask him. Your father will give good things to those who ask him. Notice it does not say the father will give whatever you ask him to those who ask him of it. But the father will give good things. I was on the phone this, this past week. We were talking, I was talking, I was on the phone with, the, with this, uh, this company organization because we're looking to do some to make some changes in terms of our live stream services and how we, how we, how we uh, broadcast our, our services. And I was on, this, on the phone with this individual and he was asking me, you know, who are, who are you guys with right now? What do you guys use? Um, and how's that, how's that going, for you, going for you? So I began to tell him the, the software we use and, and all sorts of things. And, uh, and he was familiar with it. And he said, you know, how, how's your experience? How's your experience been with this, with this software? And I said, you know, for the most part, we've used it for a long time. And for the most part, it's been, it's been, it's been good. It's been quite smooth. It's been quite smooth, I said. And uh, he said, all right, okay. 
He said, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Khan, um, your definition and my definition of smooth is a little different. And I said, what do you, what do you mean, sir? And he said, he said with the software you're using, with what you're using right now, um, have, you, have you been guilty of saying any sorts of things along these lines? And, and he began to say a few things like, um, yeah, we, you know, we have some hiccups, but, but it doesn't happen that often. Uh, yeah, we, you know, the, it didn't work out this week, but, but it only happens once in a blue moon. It only happens once in a while. Yeah, th- this, this happened. We had some hiccups here and, 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 and our network failed or, or, or this thing happened and, 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 and YouTube failed and all sorts of things. And he began, to, he began to say these things and I'm like, man, this guy's reading my mail. Um, and, I said, and I said, yeah, yeah, I, I say that, you know, because stuff like that happens once in a while. And so I, I consider our experience with this, with this software relatively smooth. And he, he said, yeah, well, if you, if you make the switch over, um, you're not going to experience any of that. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, so, so that's what I mean by your definition of smooth is different from my definition of smooth. Because my definition of smooth was, yeah, I mean, once in a while, if things go sour, if things, something happens, if there's some technical difficulties, once in a while, I consider that smooth. Right? Some of you with, you know, with, with cars that are like, you know, your car is like breaking down. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this where, where it's like, man, you, you know you got to get a new car. But it's like, no, man, it's still good. It's still, it's all right. It doesn't mean while the floor is falling and you got to do the little Philstone, you know, Flintstones pedal. Um, it, it, it was like that. And so when I read a scripture like this where it says, your heavenly father knows and he will give good things to those who ask him. I just want to slow down for a moment and remind us that our definition of good is very different from the Father's definition of good. The good that the Father gives us is a good that knows all and sees all. It is a good that's been around the block. Hello? Is a good that belongs to the ancient of days. Is a good that belongs to the unfailing one, the faithful one, the faithful from generation to generation. It's, it's, that good belongs to that. Our good is different. So what am I saying? I'm saying even in praying, even in going to the Father, even in, in our asking, seeking, and knocking, we might not get what we want but we will always get something better. I'm telling you, if if you prayed for something and God gave you something else, here's the conclusion you need to come to. I might not have gotten what I wanted, but I got something way better because what I got wasn't my definition of good. What I got was his definition of good. Hello? So much better. So much better. And so here's... Here's what, Jesus is, here's what Jesus is doing. Because I want, I, I, I remember, as we read the Sermon on the Mount, as we read the Gospel of Matthew, let's not disconnect ourselves from the reality that Jesus is speaking to real people, people with real issues. These are broken people. These are marginalized people. These are oppressed people. These are people with some issues. These are people who, who, who the rich in society, the political in society would look at, and they would say, you have nothing good to add. 
And, and here's what Jesus just looked at, looked at them dead in their eyes and said, listen, the Father knows what you need. Now you and I, because we've been to church a few times, we're used to hearing that. We, we've gotten a little desensitized to that. But this crowd? No, uh, pe- people don't tell them this stuff. They, they don't hear God sees you. They don't hear God knows you. They don't hear God will give you what is good for you. What they hear is God gave you what you deserved. That's why you're oppressed. That's why you haven't gotten the promotion you, you've been asking for. That's why, that's why you're still marginalized. That's why you're still sick. That's why you're still dealing with leprosy. That's why you're not allowed into the temple because of your illness, because you're unclean, because God is giving you what you deserve. And God shows up in the flesh and says, I will not give you what you deserve. I will give you what is good. And in case you've been just soaking up in in all the things that God has not given you, can I just remind you that the greatest thing God gave you is himself? And it does not get better than that. It doesn't. It does not get better than that. And so Jesus looks at these people and he says, I know what you've been told. But remember that I'm creating a kingdom people. And here's what I need you to understand. That you are going to be a people that actually matter to the Father. You are a people that the creator of the universe, the architect and the designer of it all, you matter to him. Your situation matters to him. Your heartache matters to him. Can you become a people that actually understand you matter to the Father? And so Jesus continues. And he says these, these good things, these good things, these good things. Now, these can be material things, but I really don't think they're, they're material things. I really believe they're spiritual things. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke quotes Jesus saying, how much more, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? These are spiritual matters. These are spiritual spiritual things. We, we read a passage like this and we think, okay, what can God add to my life? But it's not necessarily what can God add to your life. It's what can God add to you? What what perspective, what value, what identity, what sense of purpose, what sense of belonging can God add to you? And so here's what I want to say and what I kind of want to end on. A lot has been made of prayer, and I know I've, I've already taught on prayer, but I just want to remind you that prayer is, is meant to be organic. Sure, there's discipline to it. 
and there needs to be discipline to it. But it's organic. And even in being organic, there's, there's a tension between it, the discipline of it, right? And, and even in knowing that Jesus says, man, ask, seek, knock, and it will be given to you. You'll find it. It'll be open to you. At the same time, there's the tension of, okay, but what about his will? Right? There's a tension of, what does God actually want? Am I praying what God wants? Am I, am I actually praying what he wants for my life? And there's this tension. And, and I just, man, I just wish more preachers would spend less time trying to explain the tension. Because here's the reality. Sometimes it's easier to lift something out than to actually comprehend it. I can't comprehend this. How, how God knows what I'm going to ask for, and yet I'm to pray anyways. How am I supposed to pray these things, and yet at the same time, his will is supposed to come into that, and he's going to, because of his foreknowledge, and he knows the beginning from the end, and he's going to work things out. And it's like, I can't comprehend that, but I can still play my part. I can still do what God has called me to do and so even as disciples I think we need to be persistent in prayer but we don't need to neglect the fact that it's supposed to be organic so what's this what's this passage all about Pastor Mo is this about prayer yeah what's it about even more let me tell you this passage is not just about our ability to be persistent in prayer. It's actually about if we can consistently see the Father as good. I can pray. I can pray every day. I can pray all the time. I can pray. I could quote scriptures. I could. I could use the these and thous and pretend I'm Shakespeare up here and you can, you can all clap after I pray and I can feel good. And, but if I'm completely honest, sometimes I struggle with consistently seeing the Father is good. I know it. I could tell you who he, I could tell you who he is. I could tell you he's good and he's good all the time. But if I'm really honest, do I, do I always feel that? And the crowd Jesus is speaking to, again, is a crowd that would have had a hard time understanding this because they would not have seen God as the father. They would have seen him as the judge. They would have seen him as the one who is punishing them for their sins and their parents' sins and the sins of their grandfathers. And Jesus shows up and he says, no, 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 this is not about just being persistent in prayer. It's actually about can you see the Father as good? If we read this again, right? Like, like if anyone who asks receives, anyone who seeks finds, the one who knocks, it will be 
opened. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, how much more will your father, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What is Jesus doing? He is painting a picture of God's posture towards you. And I've been in church a long time. And some of you have been in church longer than I have. And God bless you. I appreciate you. But I know and you know how much effort we make about our posture towards God. And Jesus says, this is not about your posture towards God. This is about God's posture towards you. What's his posture towards you? It's eager and it's good. I was, I, was, I was messaging someone because they, 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 they messaged me and, and they were talking about how discouraged they are in their relationship with God. And I just had to remind them, I just had to remind them, hey, listen, listen, man, listen, man, I know you're struggling with some things and you're, I know you're reaping the consequences of some of the things and mistakes you've made and the sins that you chose to be involved in. I know all of that. I know all of that. And you're trying to wonder, how do I get back? How do I get back? How do I get back? But can I just remind you, God is seeking you more than you're seeking him. God is so much more eager to get to you than you are to get to him. That's the posture of the father. The father is eager and he is good. Now, this would have been a major deal to those listening. Now, why do I think Jesus uses the example of parents and children? Because he's reminding us that even prayer is supposed to function like a relationship. Even prayer is supposed to function like a relationship. Let's, let's think through this. I know this is, a, this, is a, this is a verse we can read it and we can be like, wow, God's a good God. He gives us what he wants. We, this, this is awesome. We can pray, we can seek, we can knock. Awesome, this is good. Let's move on, Pastor. I literally, I got to these verses and I'm like, three verses? How am I gonna preach three verses? Let's just think about this. How many parents give their children anything and everything they ask for? And if you knew a parent like that, what would you call that parent? Don't say it out loud. But, but the assumption Jesus is making here is, is even you as human beings who have selfish and twisted, twisted hearts and motives, even you have a level of goodness that understands that, that I'm not going to give my child stone if he asks for bread. But then again, the assumption is also you're not just good, but you're wise. That you're not just going to give your child everything he asks for. So if parents are good and parents are wise, how much more good and how much wiser is the father. How much more good and how much wiser is the father? And you begin to, you begin to see things like that and you understand that this is really about God's posture towards you and the fact that he is good and he is wise. And so you might not have gotten what you asked for, but God in his goodness and God in his wisdom gave you what he desires for you. And when you begin to see God, the Father, and his posture towards you as eager and his attitude towards you as good, you know what begins to happen? 
praying for his will doesn't just become a spiritual thing. It actually becomes a thing that makes the most sense. We have over-spiritualized praying for the Father's will. What do you mean, Pastor? If I, I, what, this is what I mean. I mean, if the real spiritual people pray for the Father's will, I, I really believe when you begin to realize how much God is in love with you and how good God really is, praying for his will isn't just a noble or right thing. It will actually begin to make sense. And you will come to a place in a posture where you, you, you will literally beg God, God, make sure you don't, you don't accomplish my will. Hello? Like I can sing, I can sing praise and worship for hours on hours simply to the fact and the reality that God didn't answer some of my prayers. Like I can worship God just for that. Thank you, God, for not listening. Thank you, God, for not following my will, but following your will. And when you begin to come to that posture, when you begin to come to that place and you recognize his goodness and his posture towards you, your prayer changes. And your prayer and your life, and your prayer life doesn't just become about what God can do, but who God is. He's good. He's good. He's good. He is good. That's the point. That's the point. He's good. He's good. And so I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to knock. And whatever happens, happens. Because he's good. He's good. He's good. Let, let him figure out the rest. He's good. Man, I, I wish. I wish I could just, sometimes I just feel like I, I, I want to just grab people by the face. And just tell you that the Father is good until it hits you. <laughs> You're worried about your future? Ask, seek, knock, and then just leave the rest to his goodness. You worried about your finances? Ask, seek, knock, and then leave the rest to his goodness. You worried about your future? You worried about what you're called to do? You're worried about your, your future spouse? Ask, seek, knock, and then leave the rest to his goodness. You worried about your children? what they're going through, what they're going to become, ask, seek, knock, and then leave the rest to his goodness. Leave the rest to his goodness. Prayer is organic. Functions as a relationship. 
It functions as a relationship. It functions as a relationship. Again, I'll say it again. We've, we've overtaught prayer. We've overtaught prayer. We've overtaught prayer. Like, like how many parents, like, you, 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 you speak to your children and you say, listen, now that you can speak, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about manners. Children need to be taught manners. But when you speak, here's, here's how you're going to address me. You're going to call me Mr. Smith? You're going to make sure you get my titles right? You're going to make sure you, look, you don't look at me in my eye because that's offensive? Bow down. Be reverent. Use these words. Don't use these words. Dress like this. Take off your hat. And yet when we want to teach people how to pray, we pull out this nonsense. And it's not supposed to be like that. Prayer is supposed to be as organic as breathing. As breathing is for your body, so prayer should be for your soul. Stop complicating it. He's good. Just talk to him. I remember growing up, man, and we would get new teachers. I don't know why I'm going so long, but I should, I should probably close in prayer after this. I've done my message. My message, is, my message was done like 15 minutes ago. I remember growing up, going to, going to a new school or, or, or entering a new grade, and, and, and people who, who have gone before me would always ask me, man, so, so did you get your syllabus? Did you get, did you get your courses? Who do, you, who, do you have for, who do you have for English? Who do you have for math? And I tell them, oh, I got, I got so-and-so. And they're like, oh, so-and-so. Yeah, I heard about them. Man, you're in trouble. And, and I, haven't, I hadn't even experienced grade 11 math at that point, and I already wanted out of it. Until I did. And I had a few conversations with my teacher. And I realized she wasn't as bad as people painted her out to be. And you know what happened? Math got easier. I'm telling you, you're like, what? Yeah, even for me, it got easier. Why? Because my perspective as the teacher changed. All of a sudden I realized this person is actually for me, not against me. And they want me to succeed even more than I want to succeed. And it just became easier. What am I saying? I'm saying God is so good. If you consistently can see him that way, prayer and our relationship with him just gets easier. It just gets easier. For some of us, the reason our Christianity is so hard is because we don't see God consistently good. Anyways, 15 minutes ago, I finished my sermon. That was just... Can I pray? Father, thank you, Lord, for these moments. God, we need these moments. I need these moments where you just remind us of your goodness. I just pray, God, that you would give us the ability to consistently see you as good 
and to recognize your posture and your attitude towards us, that you are eager to get close. You are eager to speak to us, to hear from us. You are leaning in. I just pray, God, that that would just make things so much easier. God, that we would ask, we would seek, we would knock, we would be persistent, we would be diligent, but that we would relieve it also to your goodness. Bless your people, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen.